Are you as passionate about local governance and municipal issues as I am? Well, then the Cross-Border Interviews is your show. We are here to provide you with exclusive insights and thought-provoking conversations focusing on municipal matters from across Canada. And now, you have the chance to be part of our incredible journey. By backing our show for as little as $3 per month, you can help us grow and bring more exciting content to your ears. Now, you might be asking yourself, what sets the Cross-Border Interviews apart from other shows. Well, we're not your average show. We dive deep into the unique challenges, successes, and innovative solutions of municipalities from across Canada. We bring you unbiased, unfiltered conversations about municipal issues from coast to coast to coast. By supporting our show, you become an essential part of our mission to amplify the voices of local leaders and shed light on the issues that matter most to our communities. Together, we can foster meaningful change and create stronger, more vibrant communities within our great country. Simply visit our website at crossborderinterviews.ca and show your support today. No matter how small, your contribution makes a significant difference and allows us to continue producing great shows, like the one you're about to hear. Together, let's make municipal issues matter again. This is the Cross-Border Interviews. Welcome to the Cross-Border Interviews, the show where we sit down with local elected leaders from across Canada. Over the course of this episode, we will be learning about who our guest is, what drives them, and how they are working to make their community a better place for everyone who lives there. Now, today, we are honored to welcome to the show Clearwater County, Alberta, Deputy Reeve, Jennifer Melhaff. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. It's always great when local leaders want to actually talk and sit down and tell their story about why they got into politics. But I want well, to start... Give a politician a microphone, right? <laughs> we're, not, we're never shy. <laughs> True that. Uh, I want to start with my first question, though. And if you've listened to the show before, you know what it is. For you, Jenny, where did your sense of duty to serve come from? So for me, I, it came from my family history. Um, there's been a long line of service throughout my entire family. So it just came naturally that I would move into a role of, of service as well. Uh, my, my grandfather was in the military, and then my parents were both uh, firefighters. Um, uh, my my mother retiring as as a fire chief within within Alberta um, and I, I got into emergency services at a very young age I caught the emergency services bug and um, it's just evolved from there and if you want to if you truly care about your community you will you you will act on that in whatever way you're capable of doing that whether that's building a skating rink or whether that's putting out your neighbor's fire whichever way you can but service I think just comes naturally as a family history. Uh, this is a very interesting conversation already because um, the fire department is traditionally under the the purview of municipalities. So yeah. usually when I ask the next question is, was politics and government discussed at the dinner table growing up? I can imagine it was with uh, two people, a mother and father in the fire department. But was it discussed at the municipal level or was it discussed provincially, federally? Like where did the All desire the for where did the desire for politics come from? Because I can't just imagine you woke up one day and saying, I'm going to run for politics. <laughs> I don't think anybody really does. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anybody really wakes up and goes, hey, you know what? I would like to get my inbox full of angry 
people every day. Um, no, I, I, it was absolutely discussed at the dinner table. And we have always been in our family, if you want to have a good community and you want to change anything, good, bad, or otherwise, get involved. So like I said, as kids, we helped build the neighborhood skating rink and um, got involved in the volunteer fire service as junior cadets. Um, my brother and I started at 14 in the fire service um, and budgets were readily discussed and how, how <laughs> and, and often um, municipally, provincially and federally. It was, we didn't have that, don't talk about religion, politics um, and uh, everything at the table. We just, we discussed it all. I don't know if you'd want to sit around our dinner table after a long day of work, but we nothing's really off the table. Open conversation. I would love to. I, I would have loved to sat around that dinner table because I can imagine just the stories that your parents were talking about. Right. But, so you you grow up, you decide to get into the emergency fee, uh, services as well. You become, if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but a paramedic. Uh, yeah. You are you are in uh, Clearwater County. I'm assuming this entire time, or do you move to no. Clearwater County? No, so I actually grew up in Wetaskiwin County. Um, okay. I up, yeah, I grew up um, at Pigeon, in Pigeon Lake. Um, so my my parents were in the fire department there, and my dad actually uh, worked at Bonnie Glen Gas Plant for Imperial Oil as I was growing up. Um, and my mom was the fire chief of Rocky View County down by Calgary. So we were commuting family back and forth. <laughs> I, I was going to say, your family was basically all over central Alberta, it sounds like. Very much so, very much so. And then in high school, uh, my parents transferred into Clearwater County and uh, finished out here, and I never left. So, what? When was the when was the moment that you thought to yourself that I, I've given back to my community? I've helped build rinks. I've given back through my job with emergency services. What was the moment that you decided for you and only you? that you were going to put your name on the ballot. Was there a pressing issue at during an election or was it, this is the natural stepping stone? So the first time for me was honestly when I didn't get to vote in a municipal election. My, my counselor ran a claimed or he uh, ran unopposed. Um, I was very pregnant at the time, so I couldn't run in that particular election. <laughs> um, I probably could have, but I didn't think that I would be the best steward for my community when I have such a, a divided focus with a brand new baby. So I waited until um, the following election and, and I ran. And um, that particular uh, counselor retired after I announced my, my running. Um, but I didn't run unopposed because it was very important to me that, that yeah, we got the ability to vote. So it wasn't because my counselor was doing a bad job or because I had a pressing issue at all. It honestly was because I wanted to get involved and I didn't like that I didn't have the ability to vote. Whether I got in or not, I wanted to have the community have the ability to have a vote. And so, when was that first election? Uh, the my for, this is my first term. Uh, okay. The election prior was the election where I'm like, I'm gonna do this. I I do not want to see them run un, um, unopposed. And then I started sitting in on council meetings, paying way more attention, um, and getting all the groundwork. I started sitting on boards um, so that I was very prepared to take on this role and serve my community in a different way. There is a lot of things that happen in rural communities as someone who lived in Big Lakes County for a while and served on boards and ran municipally. Um, municipal uh, politics and elections are unique beasts because truly it's the ones that you actually get to know your neighbors and you know the people who are going to be voting for you. Um, 
I'm assuming you had worked on campaigns or you'd helped out on volunteer, you'd volunteered on previous campaigns. Uh, am I correct to say that? Or am I out to left field and saying that? No, you're absolutely correct. I don't know if I did any door knocking. Cause again, my people, my, my counselor individual um, ran on a post, um, but uh, helping them with policy on the different boards that I sat on. I sat on the ag services board for years, uh, land care stewardship board, the municipal planning commission, I, uh, health engagement team. I sat on numerous boards, um, for several years, um, ahead of my run. So in 2021, you decided to put your name on the ballot. You had helped policy. You had helped, uh, uh, out on different other uh, politicians, uh, jobs, but you're now the person on the ballot. You're the person on the sign. You're the person on the brochure that you're handing out to your local neighbors. While 2021 was a unique beast for the election because we had that COVID-19 and the, the traditional campaign wasn't what you would say uh, standard uh, in municipal campaigns. How did you enjoy that prospect of going out there and talking to your neighbors about how you see the Clearwater County and how you want it to move forward for not just yourself, but for everyone. So you're right. It was a, it was a unique beast. Um, it wasn't the normal door to door campaign, or at least it wasn't for me. Um, and the biggest reason it wasn't for me is because I was still working um, on the ambulance and I did not want to be the division one COVID super, super spreader. Yeah. So I, I did not do a door to door campaign. Um, I really utilized those, um, the email templates that were sent through the um, elections office and uh, made sure I sent that stuff out. I uh, made sure that I made it to every forum, albeit virtually, made sure that I was there. I made a lot of phone calls um, and I found other stewards within my community to help me with that. Um, and really just tried to be as authentic as, as I uh, am every day. Uh, and hoped that, that whether people agreed with me or not, they knew that what I was telling them was the truth and they could hopefully stand behind me for that. Was there something that you learned about yourself during that campaign? Because I can imagine, and I've spoken to many different counselors across this country, that they have an idea of what the idea, uh, what the issues are in their county. But when they start talking to people and hearing from the residents, it's sometimes what they think, but sometimes you get that rare oddball question or issue that you didn't think was an issue, but to some people it is. During that campaign or even up till now, are you finding that there are issues that you might not have thought about because you think things are going well in certain areas? So during the campaign, the municipal development plan was being done by the council that was currently sitting. Uh, that became a very big election topic. It really, it really did. Um, and I was very surprised at what I was hearing when I was talking to people about it because I thought people would be more freedom. It's our land. Let's let's do kind of what we want. And that's really not what our community was looking for, at least the, or at least the, the more vocal portions of our community. Um, and that really surprised me. I thought people would want government to get out of the way. I thought that that's more what they would be wanting us to champion is, is us to cut red tape, get out of the way, um, allow for um, those changes and our thoughts to, to thrive. And that's really not what I was hearing, which was, which I found very surprising as, as a farmer and landowner myself, I, I prefer to have, have government get out of the way. I prefer to remove red tape, but I was surprised that that's really not what people were looking for. That was we a surprise are, to me. And, 
Pardon me? No, go ahead. I was about to start my second next question, but continue your statement. Sorry. Um, and how municipal politics has changed and municipal wants and people and, and responsibilities has changed. I, we used to be told we live and die on roads. That's just not the case anymore with municipalities. Um, social services and social wants are really becoming a large portion of our day-to-day -day work. And I think it's because of my background in emergency services that became a large portion of the conversation during the election for me as well with um, the collapse of our EMS system. Um, and whether people agree with that or not, that's 100% what has happened. Our EMS system 100% had collapsed at that point. Um, and because of my history in that industry, it became a large portion of the conversation um, throughout my campaign. We are about uh, halfway through your first term. Uh, we're coming up to the summer and October is when you would be hitting the halfway mark from the last election. But uh, what have you learned? What have you learned in this job that you didn't expect going into this job? Because I can imagine you had a, a vision of what the job entitled. You talked about how the municipal development plan kind of threw you for a loop and it wasn't really something that was on, uh, something that you thought was going to be a big pressing issue, but it has become. What have you learned about yourself in this job? And what have you learned about the job that you didn't know going into it last in October of 2021? Hmm, the speed of government. <laughs> not the first person to say that jenny <laughs> i i am a I, I i work in emergency services that's my background we are a get it done industry we are a uh a debrief it after the decision has been made industry we are not a a debate it for forever it's a people's lives are on the line and so the speed of government has been has been a challenge um and the process of government has been a challenge to go from administrative perspective where you as long as you have a budget and a policy to follow you have a you can roll the boat in that direction but when it comes to the government side where there's seven voices at the table and you have to build the policy for them for administration to follow making that shift between governance and operations that that has been a challenge that i've had to learn how to navigate um, and also, do you, think, do you think most people understand that aspect of the job? Because I, no. I, 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 when I talk to residents, and I, I and I say this with respect to the majority of residents, they believe that the council member or the mayor has the right and responsibility to dictate the day-to-day -day operations of the the municipality or the county. And when I hear someone like yourself say that, I go, okay. Is this just natural that people believe that councillors have the ability to do that? But it's based, not. Yeah, based on my inbox, yes, that's what they think. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and really, I honestly thought I had a little bit more operational oversight than I do as well. I came into that um, thinking more so that way too, um, and that's just that's just not the case. And that it it's now a skill to learn how to to drive that boat, like how to ask for a policy to come back um, if you want to see a shift in how that boat is being is being driven. I don't get to go up to, you know, the weed sprayer on the side of the road and say, hey, I don't think you're spraying enough weeds on that. Or um, to quote um, a friend of yours, I can't drive that grader. <laughs> but I, I would like to meet the guy who drives the grader. And I'd like to know how how he, he drives the grader. I, I'm one that likes to know how the machine works in order to create the best policy possible. And 
that has been a struggle in learning how I get to learn those things. Has the personal private life of a counselor gotten to you yet? Because you can't go to the grocery store or go get uh, gas in your community without probably someone stopping you and asking you they're there. They want it. They want to let you know their issues of the day or why council's doing something uh, specific. Has that aspect of the job sort of gotten to you or are you sort of, gotten past the part where you're like, okay, I, I understand that I'm not going to the grocery store anymore for five minutes. I'm going to the grocery store for a half hour. If, if that. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a good thing. I love my community and yeah. I love talking to the people within it. Uh, it'd be different if I didn't. Um, and I like having the opportunity to explain a decision. Um, and having are people willing to listen? Sometimes, sometimes yeah. it actually honestly depends on the setting. It depends on the setting. It depends on the topic. Because some people just want the opportunity to be mad and to tell me that they're mad. And sometimes that is the job, that you give them the opportunity to be mad. And they don't want to be convinced. They don't want to have that explained to them. However, I like the opportunity to try to use fact, policy, et cetera, to not change their minds, but at least give them the perspective of why a decision was made. And if we don't take those opportunities, uh, I truly think that we're doing a disservice to to those residents because it, it is potentially they just don't have the proper information. And I like to be able to take the opportunity to correct that information. And that way they're going out into the community and, and talking at their dinner tables with correct information. How do you balance that? Because I, I, I can I imagine... I, well, and that's and that's the ultimate goal as the municipal councillor is you're supposed to give the most accurate information out there. But we live in a society now, and I know this is getting completely off the rails of the original conversation I wanted, but I love the, when municipal councillors are so engaged and are willing to just like tell it like it is. When you go out and tell people this is why we did this or this is why the county is doing the way that it's doing it, some people will just not agree with that sentiment. Like and they're how, allowed to not agree. They're allowed to have an opinion. And how do you how do you how do you not battle back, but how do you inform residents when some people just don't want to be informed? I just try to give them the most accurate information that I can and be as honest as I can. And at the end of the day, if they don't want that or they don't agree with that, they're allowed to not agree. Um, that's why there's seven counselors at a table because we're not always all all, all going to agree. Um, if if all of the opinions were the same, we only need one of us. And there's seven of us because it's differing. And I'm never going to be able to convince every single person that what we did was right. I don't always agree that what we did was right, but we made a decision and um, it's always the best interests of the, of the county in mind um, or the province or the federal, whatever we happen to be working on that day. And that's what we need to get across to them that whether they agree with our decision or not, we made a decision based on what we, the, informa the information we had at the time and for the betterment of the residents. How do you, how do, you do that? Because you, you were there as the division one ward or the division one counselor, but you were also deputy reeve of Clearwater County. So the people of division one have elected you to this position, but you as council, as, as council have to look at not just division one, division two, division three, division four, but you have to look at it as the entire county. 
How do you balance that aspect of the job of making sure that the people who've elected you feel heard, feel like they're getting their fair share of the pie, but also in remembering that you're not just there to represent your people, but you're representing everyone, even the ones who didn't vote for you, even the ones who aren't in your division. How do you yeah. balance that? Yeah, the MGE did us a dirty there by uh, making <laughs> us elected by wards, but having us have to do as, uh, be stewards of the entire municipality is something that is great for you know division five may not be great for division one but is better for the the county as a whole so the mga does the dirty there but i think it goes back to communication and trying to communicate that as best as we can and people are reasonable they were like our a person is reasonable a group of people <laughs> may not be but a person is reasonable and if, if you can get the information across to them and they're they they may be not be able to you may not be able to get them on the side and it is what it is, but a person is reasonable. And if you can give them the best information that you have and, and be as honest and as authentic as you can, I think that's the only, that's the only thing you can do. And that's the only way I can, at the end of the day, say that I did my best. Is it hard to say no to people? Because I can imagine 100%. you get, I, uh, you, you would think so, but it gets easier after time from what I hear from some long-term counselors, but People come to you and ask you for things all the time, I'm assuming. I'm assuming yeah. if we checked your inbox today, they'll be saying, I want my road paved. I want a sidewalk. I want my uh, park in my in my community upgraded because it's dilapidated. Um, and if you can do it all while lowering my taxes, I'll be happy. I love it. I love this conversation. <laughs> how do you, how, how, how ha has that aspect of the job been on you? Because I'm assuming you want to please people because you don't get into elected politics and elected uh, office by not trying to make everyone feel good about their community. But the reality sinks in when you have to pass that first budget and you go, oh, we don't have a limited supply of money and we can't run deficits. So we're going to have to upset some people. How do you see yourself as well? The communications part is there you have to make the tough decisions and you at the end of the day have to stand by those tough decisions, whether it be raising taxes, one, two, three, 8%. I was just talking to a counselor yesterday who said they raised their taxes 13% this year. Wow, 13 that's a hard conversation. That's exactly. A hard conversation but it's conversations that you need to have. So for you, while the conversation is being had, how important is it to be realistic with people and be just honest and say, I'd love to help you. I'd love to get that road paved. I understand your concern, but where would you like to cut our services? And then they'll give you a list of ideas where they want to cut, but you will then have to go and make the final decision. It's it's honestly about teaching them process. So we try to budget capital 10 years out. Um, yeah. You know, I, that's long projections, et cetera. And that's probably not um, as accurate as they should be. Um, but we, I'm not going to decide to pave a road in my division tomorrow. It's something that we put on the docket, have to research it and put it in strategic planning for the future. And if I can show them that process, it typically ends up being a good conversation um, and explain to them that you wouldn't want me to make a decision ration, um, irrationally. You would want me to do it logically. And as long as it doesn't involve a safety concern, um, let's look towards the future rather than um, acting irrationally and doing it right now. So I typically just try to work them through the governance versus operational 
um, that I had to learn myself, um, <laughs> work them through that process and where we fit within it and how I plan on advocating for what their needs are, whether that's paving that road or that park or whatever, and work them through what that process looks like, how, how many times a year we do strategic planning, how far out we're doing budgeting. And if I, when, as I work them through that process, maybe I bore them and that's why they stop asking me. Um, but I'm hopeful that them understanding how the system works is what gets them over that. You, you talked earlier in our conversation about the role and responsibilities of municipalities. It used to be all about roads, but it's changing. Province, federal governments are downloading more and more responsibilities onto the municipal governments. The one thing that you talked about was the social services that has been downloaded onto municipalities. How do you uh, see Clearwater County navigating this new sort of service level that you have to provide? And are you through the weeds of it and hopefully delivering the services that people want while still advocating to the province saying, guys, this is not our responsibility. You guys need to smarten up, pick this up and run with it because we only have a certain amount of money. You guys have a lot more. So we're not through the weeds. It's actually going to get worse before it gets better. Um, unfortunately, that's, this is going to be a continuing issue that was always an issue, but exact exasperated by COVID. Like this was not, it's not a new issue. This has always been an issue. It's just something that we, in particular rural, noticed significant changes um, as our communities evolved and changed. Um, we navigate it just like what you said. We advocate to the province, um, but we are very lucky in Clearwater County to have the ability to shift quickly because we have saved really well. So if we need to solve a problem, we're able to look towards our budgets and do budget adjustments because we, we have a very healthy savings background. So we are able to shift quickly if we need to. Um, however, it's showing people where the most value is um, and working with our partners. For example, um, our closest urban is, does most of the social services. Rurals typically don't, aren't covering social services. We um, just help by um, funding them. Um, but we have really started working significantly closer with our urbans to not only fund those programs, but be a large voice in those programs um, and work with them jointly on things like FCSS, are you seeing more people use FCSS over the last few yes. years? Yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah, and I don't know if that's because they needed more because they were always needed or people are now realizing that they're available. Um, and I think it's a combination of the two. We're doing better at communicating that the, the resources that are available and unfortunately they are needed more. I think it's a combination. When, when, you, when, you, when municipalities have downloaded services onto them, it means that municipalities like Clearwater County have to make tough decisions, whether it be raising taxes or cutting service levels that you already have. Um, for you, what's the balance when it comes to making sure that the county grows? You have that savings saved up, but you can't be digging into it every year or you're not going to be able to plan for the future accordingly. So when it comes to budgeting, for you, how do you balance the needs of the community of today with the needs of the community four or five, 10 years from now? I look at how it impacts them directly. So uh, for example, if somebody, if the food bank isn't well-funded, um, that impacts somebody's emergency needs now. That to me is more important than ensuring that our paving projects are um, up to date on their 15 year overlay program. So 
it's their, the needs of their life today. And that's how I try to look at it. Um, is it easy? Class, no, it never, it, it's never easy. Um, but in, when I look at it from the, from the perspective of somebody's actual quality of life versus having a few more bumps on their road or their grading not done, um, you know, every five days, I, I it, that makes it easier for me. Um, to look at it from somebody's quality of life versus they might have a few more potholes in their in their road. Um, but things like a fire truck, for example, that that that's a need, not a not a want. You you need to have a well functioning, and then maybe that's because I have a fire department background, so on, it's easy for me to talk about fire trucks. Um, but that do you quantify things as needs and wants now, <laughs> like when even in I, your day to day I, life, I, do you quantify what do we need and what do we want? Because you, municipal leaders that I talk to have said that on regular occasions. So I'm just throwing that question out to you. How is it easy to quantify needs and wants as a municipal level? Because what your needs and wants are and what the residents might differ from their needs and wants. So how do you know you're right for your needs and wants? Are, are, are we ever really 100% right? I, we're just trying to make the best decision that we can. I mean, as a female, we are always right. Let's just clarify that right off the bat. You know, I'm, I'm a wife and a mom. We're always right. We're never wrong. Um, yes, <laughs> as, yes, yes, you are. If my mother is listening to this, yes, she is always right. I need to call her more often. I need to visit her more often. I completely right? agree, Jenny. <laughs> right, but um, honestly, we're just making the best decisions that we can. And I do try to quantify them as needs and wants. Um, or this is a need, but maybe it's something that can be a need for the next budget um, and not necessarily a need for right now. For example, um, we had obviously a very large fire spring um, this year. So a need is going to be ensuring that our disaster services budget um, is talked back up. That is going to be a need. And it's going to be a need that we hit this year. It's not a need we can push off. But the want will be, hey, maybe that disaster services budget needs to be bigger going forward and we can discuss how to do that. <clears throat> what does the future hold for Clearwater County in your opinion? I'm hoping growth. I mean, we always, I, we always aim for growth, um, but I am actually just hoping for a thriving community for my four children to grow up in. Um, and I know that that seems super basic. That seems high. What, high what, does, it, what does a thriving community look like though? Um, for, for me, families that want to stay here, I want kids in our schools. I want them to stay here with well-paying jobs that they, um, are happy to be in my community and not having to leave, to go to another community, to find a life that they think is better. I want them to find it right here in their backyard. Do you think you're doing that as council and as you, in your role as Deputy Reeve to set up the next generation to be like you, move to Clearwater County and stay here uh, after potentially your parents move on or move away? Do you think you're doing the right things now to make sure that people have good schools, schools have good, well-paying jobs, and at the end of the day, find a long-term house that they can grow old in? I think we're trying to balance, or at least I'm trying to balance um, the future that I would like to see for Clearwater County with the trepidation of a community that is worried about urbanization. I'm trying to balance those two. Um, and perhaps if I've made both sides of that spectrum angry, I've found somewhere in the middle. 
always the vocal minority that's always the angriest that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> right but i'm trying to balance those the, those opposing views and find that middle ground and it's gonna be it's a slow road it's never again government is, does not move very quickly um which in these instances might be a good thing and having the ability to see a vision of the future and the slow progression of how to get there that might be what's needed and we'll, we'll work on it I want to turn to my sort of my, my favorite subject of this of this conversation because we've uh -oh. taken a half hour, but it's tourism. Everyone loves tourism. Everyone loves visiting places. Well, I do. I enjoy tourism. I have, I have 150 cows. I don't get to go anywhere. Um, you get to go where the cows are. So, that's girl, true. that's that's pretty good for me. <laughs> um, but. What are some of the tourist spots in Division One of Clearwater County that people, if they're coming through Clearwater County, hypothetically with a friend from Nova Scotia in about three weeks or by the Ooh. time this airs, during the time this airs, where should we be stopping besides to see the cows that you have? <laughs> well, so in Division One specifically, there isn't like... Um anything you'll see from space. Like that's just not division one. Um, but uh, Cal where is Lake division is, one? Where is division so, one? Division one is the Southwest, um, Southwest of Rocky Mountain house. So if you go out towards Cow Lake, that's actually the area that I was gonna, was gonna um, showcase um, out towards Cow Lake and keep heading West. Just keep going until you hit the trunk. So um, I, I love Cow Lake. Uh, my family and I kayak on Cow Lake all the time. We go for ice cream at Grandview Stage, which is the, the uh, restaurant within my division. Uh, and we go there for the day and enjoy the, the, the beach and the lake. And if we don't do that, we go out camping um, in the green zone and the, the, the random camping out west and find a beautiful spot out there along the trunk and just enjoy a weekend when we get time when you get time but what do you do in the county besides tend to your animals at your home to decompress is there a spot that you can just go to when you don't have to worry about the animals after a day after when you don't have to worry about council maybe after a stressful day of council is there a place that you go just to let it all go and just reconnect with yourself i really enjoy hiking um, so I like to try to find hike spots. Um, Baseline Mountain is an amazing mountain bike park. That's also in Division One. Um, but uh, All Stones Lake, Sifler Falls, those are all in Division Five west of Nordegg, but they're also wonder they're amazing spots uh, as well. Uh, grab some pie in Nordegg and 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 head west. Oh yes, oh yes, you need to get pie in Nordegg. It's it's amazing. I, you were so, not the first counselor from Clearwater to tell me that. <laughs> about the pie i actually got some of the pie yesterday when i was at an explore nordeg meeting yesterday so i made sure i stopped for pie uh but uh, i mean nordeg is is a hidden gem and and it's you know one of the last park-like areas that you don't need a park pass to get in and it's oh, wow. it's great don't uh, say that too loud five, right exactly <laughs> but it's in division five not division one so i need to try to showcase my own division which is why cow lake and grandview stage are a couple of my go-tos. So uh, the big question, the, the question to end all questions, what makes Clearwater County and Division One or Clearwater County as a whole such a great place to live, to work, and to raise a family? The people. 
the people it's it's still a place you can literally walk to your neighbor's house or drive depending on how far away you live from your neighbor um and ask for a cup of sugar it's that type of community the people are what make what make Clearwater County amazing. Um, the, it's, it's the community where the 4-H is thriving because the people are volunteering to do it. It's uh, a community that builds a skating rink and um, gets out there and, and floods that same skating rink themselves every year just so they can watch their kids skate on it. It's the community that has ice fishing derbies and, that, and those are all things because of the people. That's what makes Clearwater County great. Granted, we have beautiful mountains and beautiful scenery and, and fresh water that Edmonton gets to enjoy and all of those things, but it's the people that make Clearwater County amazing. Um, Jenny, I want to thank you so much for taking about 40 minutes out of your day today and sitting down and chatting about yourself, about the role that you play in municipal government and, uh, well, of course, tourism. And I, and I say this with respect and I say this with honesty. We need more people like you at the council table. So oh, thank you so well, much. Thank you so much for your kind words. I'm, I'm honestly just doing my best and that may not be, not, may not be what everybody um, what everybody needs, but I, all I can do is do my very best and uh, think about my community with every decision that I make. Um, so with that, this has been the Grass Board Interviews with Chris Brown. We'll be back tomorrow with another great episode. Until then, just keep talking. The Cross Border Interviews is www.crossborderinterviews.ca for more details. Copyright 2013.